it is a really interesting concept. A person can be a child of God. A person can be a brother. Notice Paul's wording in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 1. And yet behave in a very carnal, worldly way. That is exactly what the Corinthians were doing. There is such a thing as carnal Christianity, but it doesn't come from God. If you look in the English Standard Version, from which I generally preach, twice it says, people of the flesh... People of the flesh, verse 1 and verse 3. Those of you that have translations like the King James or the New King James will have a word like carnal. But it means to be worldly, to be materially minded, and to emphasize the mere physical at the expense of the spiritual. Because you'll notice the contrast in 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 4 is between the carnal or the fleshly and the spiritual. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Matthew six nineteen through 21. And when we talk about being fleshly minded or people of the flesh or carnally minded or worldly, what the world thinks matters too much to us. What the world might believe matters too much to us. And that's exactly what was going on at Corinth. You know you've been at a place for a while when several members of the congregation come up to you before services and say, Brother Mike, you're going to preach short again tonight. I did last Sunday night and they think that maybe that will start a precedent. Okay, we'll give it a shot. Two main points in the sermon. That raises eyebrows enough, but one of the main points has seven subpoints. The other one has five. We should be able to get through them a little bit early. Lord willing. What we're going to do is look at some symptoms of carnal Christianity. As was seen at Corinth, this will be on the basis of 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 4. And then we're going to look at the cure for carnal mindedness, for carnal thinking. We often mention how blessed we are economically out in this area, and it is a blessing for which we ought to give thanks to God. But with those blessings can come temptations to be carnally minded and worldly, and we have to watch out for that. Let's look at seven symptoms of being people of the flesh. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1. Prolonged spiritual infancy. Did you hear what Brother Jack just read to us from that passage a few moments ago? He was having to deal with the Corinthians as though they were babes in Christ. But simply, that wasn't the case. It was no longer the case. And 
you can say to yourself, well, they were just dumb. But there's not a problem with their brain cells. There's not a problem with their IQ. It's not a matter of them not being taught. It's a matter of a choice that they were being, that they were making. That they were being profoundly influenced by. They were thinking too much like Corinth. Remember how Israel left Egypt in a night, but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. Remember that? These people at Corinth had come to Christ, but it was taking a lot of time to get Corinth out of these Christians. There was too much of Corinth still in them. Prolonged spiritual immaturity. Paul was indicating, hey... By reason of time, I ought to be able to give you meat, but I still need to give you milk. You can't bear, you're not ready for some of the things that I need to say. Prolonged spiritual immaturity. It's a symptom of being worldly, carnal, people of the flesh who for whatever reason cannot come to grips with the things of God, the things that are eternal. Number two, an inability to take in God's word for oneself and a reliance upon others. You'll see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, especially. Not that Paul minded teaching and instructing others, but it seems as if there was a reliance upon various teachers at Corinth, like Paul, like Apollos, like Peter, and they became so instrumental, people were looking at to them as their spiritual source of feeding and them alone. Take in God's word for your soul. Study God's word for yourself. And while those of us who preach and teach like Adam and myself are delighted to, to, to share things that we have been instructed in, please do not rely on us as your sole source of biblical information. Some of the Corinthians had a tendency to do that. And as a result, had become people of the flesh rather than people of the Spirit. Then notice 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 3 because two items are mentioned together and it's not unusual for them to be found together in the New Testament. Jealousy and strife. So here are numbers 3 and 4 as far as the symptoms are concerned. Jealousy. It's where you are upset that someone has something that you do not we think of that as being childish and immature. But it's found here in 1 Corinthians 3 in the context of being fleshly, materialistic, and not spiritually minded. Being carnal. Jealous. Notice what goes with it. Strife. The term means contentious. Just loving to fight. 
just loving to, as we might say, stir the pot to create friction and difficulty. And these two terms are found together in passages like Romans 13, 13 and 2 Corinthians 12, 20. And Galatians 5, 19 through 21, where they are listed among the works of the flesh. Prolonged spiritual infancy. A reliance upon others that doesn't also include turning to God and His Word ourselves. Jealousy. Strife. Number five. Notice what else is found. The idea is sectarian thinking. The party spirit. Divisions. The idea again that some were saying, I'm a Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm a Peter. Breaking down into cliques. Church politics. Now, would to God that this was was just something that was true in the church at Corinth then and that Paul is able to deal with it, but some of the same problems exist in the body of Christ today and maybe we're more Corinthian in some ways than we'd want to admit. Two more. Worldliness. From the entire context of the first four verses, it sounds much like James 4, verse 4. You adulterers, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity or strife or war with God? These people had an ability to evaluate things as far as the world would be concerned, but an inability to properly look at things from God's perspective. One last idea, and then we'll move on to the cure. They were not discerning. Hebrews 5, 11 through 14 shows this would be true of some Christians. And the context of 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 4 supports this. An inability sometimes to know what's right from wrong, to scrutinize and to evaluate and to judge things properly and righteously. If you've been a Christian any length of time, you have found yourself scratching your head at the decisions some Christians make. And possibly even some in your own family. A lack of discernment. Knowing how to differentiate and to pick out what is best. It was discernment. What Solomon wanted more than anything was a discerning heart. 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 9 through 11, and we typically refer to that as wisdom. How we should pray for discernment too. Now go with me and look at verses 5 through 9. If there's something of these symptoms seen in churches and in the lives of individual Christians today, it cannot be pleasing to our Lord. 
Carnal Christianity does not honor him. Look at verses 5 through 9 for some guidelines, for some helps in curing this before it becomes a full-blown disease in our lives or in our congregations. Look at verse 5. Understand the place of people. We can appreciate and love people, but we should not put people up on a pedestal. The only place to go is down. Notice what he does. He says, what is Apollos? What is Paul? He doesn't say who is Apollos and who is Paul. He says, what are they? He's talking about function. He's talking about role. They're thinking about their person and, 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 and how it's so easy to take people and elevate them more than we ought. And it is Paul's point that both Apollos and I are servants. Do you see that in 1 Corinthians 3, 5, and 6? You should. We are servants. We are servants of God, proclaiming the Word of God, as men of God, doing the will of God. He's the Lord and King, and we are servants. We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus is Lord, and ourselves as servants for His sake. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5, number 2. Recognize and appreciate that we do not all have the same role, function, and giftedness. Recognize and appreciate that we do not all have the same role and function and giftedness. There's no reason to be jealous or strife-filled when you consider that people have no gifts that were not given them by God. Let me build on this with a third guideline. Appreciate the value of every person's role, function, and gifts. It's hard to do sometimes because it seems that some people in the role and function it's more public or their giftedness may be greater in a number of ways than we feel ours are. But here's the idea. And notice what Paul masterfully does through the Holy Spirit here. He talks about the fact that he planted the seed of God's Word in people's lives, right? I planted. What did Apollos do? He watered. Planting and watering are separate roles. I have little doubt that Paul could have watered and that Apollos could have planted. But both of those roles were important and there were gifted people doing each one of those things in service to God. Now here's my question. One can plant all one wants, but planters need waterers. Amen. 
You can water all you want. But if nobody's planting seed, Christians are not going to follow up. Despite all the watering that's being done, you're watering weeds. Appreciate and recognize the value of every Christian's role and gifts. And rejoice in the fact that God uses us together collectively and that we are far more effectively uh, serving God when we come together with our gifts than when we go rogue individually. Keep looking at the text. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Interestingly enough, you think about it, it's God's seed, it's God's rain, and it's God who gives the increase. That's what Paul is getting at. Now notice this. As we continue to work our way ever so briefly from verses 5 through 9, how can I avoid having this fleshiness this carnality, this worldliness and materialism that they had at Corinth. Look at verse 9. Really check out 7 and 8 with me. Remember this, and then I'll get to 9. Every man will receive their wages. Put that in quotes. Every man will receive their wages from God. In other words, what counts is what God thinks. Sometimes we feel like we haven't gotten the credit we deserve, and while we ought to be good at encouraging others, the church is about giving glory to God even when you may not think you got the credit you deserve. One of the interesting things about human nature, I've discovered this as a preacher, there have been a number of times I'd have liked to have credit for something, but sometimes I had to accept the blame. None of us are ever as quick to accept our blame. Are we? What we really need to remember is that God will give wages to everyone according to their labor. He sees. He notices. And that's what counts. Because we're doing it for Him. Finally, notice 1 Corinthians 3, 9 with me. And here's the idea. God owns us and we belong to Him. God owns us, and we belong to Him. God's co-workers, God's field, God's building. He uses the idea of cooperation. We work together. We are God's co-workers. What an amazing thing. To be able to be co-workers with God. 
We are God's field, the agricultural picture. We are God's building, the architectural picture. But any way you look at it, He owns us. And we belong to Him. How can people who are bought and paid for and who belong to God allow themselves to think too much like the world? May God help us to remember these things when we're challenged and tempted to think the way the world does instead of the way God would have us. We're about to stand and sing our song of encouragement. If you need to come to Jesus tonight, please don't think like the world would and offer excuses and reasons why not now. I can't do it now. Why not just come to him in faith and repentance and baptism and be added to the church? Why live carnal lives when you can have eternal life in Jesus? Let us stand and sing.